Good morning, good morning. Come on, after singing, like, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't think we can say thank you enough, right? Come on. I love the fact that it's Sunday. What is Sunday? Sunday, Sunday is our fun day, man. As we come and have this opportunity to gather and sing praises to Jesus and God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. Come on, come on, come on. You know, if, if you are new with us, welcome. We love the fact that you are here today. Again, we've, we've been praying for you to come. We're praying that God uh, shows up in a real way in your life today. You experience the love of Jesus Christ in your life in a real way. We love the fact that you're here. We hope you enjoy your, your time with us this morning. If you're joining us online, good morning to you as well. We love the ha- fact that we can use technology to push God's word across not just Gibson County, not just southern Indiana, but around the world. In fact, I don't know if you... I've never shared this, but we have a podcast. I've shared that part. We have a podcast that goes out, and I look every once in a while, I look at the stats, see what's going on, if people are downloading or listening to the podcast. And I looked last month, and I think we, we are international. Yeah, I, I don't remember where they were, but it was one downloaded in this country, and someone downloaded it in this country. It was random countries. I think it was by accident, but hey, it still got out there, right? Come on. God is doing some really good things, and we love to get his word out there. And if, uh, before we get into this morning's conversation, I always like to give a, a sneak peek where we're going next to share what's coming up next. And starting next Sunday, we're jumping into a new series titled The Best is Yet to Come. Right? The Best is Yet to Come. Church, this is a vision series for us as a church. We're going to be walking through four weeks of digging into God's truth that reveals why I believe the best is yet to come for Vertical Church. Right? Come on. The best is yet to come for Vertical Church, right? So this is what I'm asking of you. I'm going to challenge you, and if you're online, to challenge you as well, to to be here, to commit to being a part of this series. Come and hear what God's going to do as we step out and celebrate what he's done and where he's taking us. This is a vision series for us as a church. And this also points points me to November 13th. Right, Vertical celebration. You've heard about it for a couple months now. This is their church. We're coming together as a church. And we are gathering here to celebrate all that God has done, all he is doing. And we're going to be pointing to where he's taking us next. I got one person, two or three people. Amen. Come on. <laughs> see, see, listen, listen. You were going to come. We're going to gather as his church. And all we're going to do is point up, man. All we're going to do is look vertical. We're going to praise God. And then we're also, we're going to reveal what's next for Vertical Church. Our vision, our five, ten-year vision where we believe God is going to take us. And if you ask me, it's pretty awesome. And the reason I say it's pretty awesome because it's God awesome. It's God's plan. This is his church, and he's the only one who is truly awesome. Amen? Amen. Right? He's the only one who's truly awesome. And we're going to step out in crazy faith and watch God lead us to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. So listen, I just challenge you to commit to be here for the next series. I also want to challenge you to commit to being here that evening as we celebrate what God is doing. We have a lot of fun things planned, a lot of worship planned. It's going to be an awesome night. We want you here. Got it? All right. All right. Well, this morning, this morning we bring to close our current series, and some of you are clapping your hands inside like, yay, throwing shade is over. 
Come on, right? This series has been very challenging for us as followers of Jesus. Because throwing shade is giving others a verbal beatdown. Throwing shade is when we use, use our mouths to take other people down rather than lift them up. Because, friends, what we say, our words that come out of our mouths, is powerful. And each week we've been reminding ourselves of this truth. That in the book of Proverbs, King Solomon says, the words we speak have power of life and death. That's crazy. And Jesus kind of adds to this and finishes it for us. He says, the words that come out of our mouths really don't come from our mouths. It burrows deep out from our hearts. So this entire series has been way more than just shutting our mouths. This entire series has been letting God steps into our lives, not just to control what comes out of our mouths, but reshaping the root of the problem, what's the junk that sits in our hearts. Because it's the junk that sits in the corner of our hearts that comes out when we speak and we're throwing shade at other people or other situations. And the core, series, core verse of this series is found in Philippians 4, chapter 29. I mean, chapter 4, verse 29. You can see it on the screen, but we walked through this verse last week. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It's very personal. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. So we've been walking through that each week. And the final, final unwholesome words that we are attacking this morning with the word of truth in this series is the word of criticism. Criticism. Now when I say criticism, I'm not speaking about constructive feedback. That we're helping people out get better or something get better. I'm talking about the critical, nitpicking, unkind, and most of the time uninformed cruel criticism that so often happens, that so often falls out of our mouths. The difference between feedback and criticism is the condition of our hearts when we speak. See, feedback is helpful. Criticism is hurtful. It ties back to our series, uh, last week's conversation. Criticism also differs in complaining. I bookend this series complaining in the beginning of the series and criticism at the end of the series to give us some space between the two because there's a difference. To complain is all about you, your heart, your feelings, your perspective. The attention is all on you. To criticize has similar ideals. It starts with our hearts, yes, but the emphasis is on the thing or the person or the situation that receives the hard words. That's the difference between complaining and criticism. We disapprove what's being done, so we talk about it. We disapprove or disagree what's being done, so we speak junk. It's not feedback. It's a failure to reshape our hearts. So what comes out of our lips hurts. Again, this series is deeply, deeply personal. So I want to challenge each of us this morning, watching or listening online or in this room, 
not to be thinking about someone who needs to hear this message, all right? Don't be elbowing your spouse or looking at your kids or thinking about you're going to send us to a particular person. Don't do that. I want to challenge us to ask ourselves, do I need to hear this message? Do I need to walk through what God needs to share with me and open my heart to? And because it's so hard to see a critical spirit in the mirror, what we're going to do this morning, we're going to let God's word be the reflection for us to see. We're going to open up, we're going to have a conversation with the word of truth, and let the mirror, which scripture is called a mirror of his word, show us the truth, right? The truth of our mouths and the truth and the condition of our own hearts. So this morning, let's do this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we're getting into verse 13 this morning. That's where we're starting. If you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you can find it on page 797. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in and you do not have a Bible of your own, please take it. That is our gift for you. If you saw those Bibles on the way in, you're like, hmm, wonder what they're for, and you don't have a Bible of your own, please take it. It's our gift to you. We desire here at Vertical Church for every single one of us to have a copy of God's Word in their hands. Galatians 5, verse 13. We're going to try something different this morning, church. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand as I read through these verses and we, a little reverence of what God's saying in his word this morning. So if you just stand with me, that'd be awesome. I'll go ahead and read right through them. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is filled in keeping in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not doing what you, whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ have been crucified with the flesh with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and provoking and envying each other. Church, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to come and worship you this morning. We thank you for the 
your truth, that you gave us your word. God, as we attack this idea of criticism, of learning what it means to control our mouths and reshape our hearts, I pray that our hearts are open this morning, mine included. That we're listening to you, listening to what you have for us. Let you shape our lives to look differently than the rest of the world. Because we desire as a church, Lord, to give you all the glory and the praise about what we do and who we are. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Galatians. Galatians was written by a follower of Jesus named Paul. Paul was writing to the churches of Galatia, walking through the freedom they now have in Jesus Christ. Then they're not under the law of Moses, that Jesus fulfilled the law. But in their freedom, what Paul was addressing, Christians started taking advantage of this new freedom they had in Christ, this new life in Christ, that he died for them. And he started going in a different direction. They started living for themselves. If we look back at verse 13, we can see where this starts shaping out. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another and another humbly in, in, your, in love. For the entire law is fulfilled by keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Just stop there again. So as I'm walking through this and trying to understand criticism in my own life and how I am a critical, have a critical spirit or speak things that are, that are not kind, and as I read through this, these passages, I come to this idea that, man, we have, we have two people we can decide to be. We can decide to be two different people. And at the end of our conversation this morning, you, me, we all as a church have to decide who we're going to be. And I think the first thing we need to do is ask ourselves a question. Do I want to be a fault finder? Do I want to be a fault finder? Is that someone I want to choose to be? Do I want to be a fault finder? See, in Jesus, we have been called to glorious freedom. Freedom from death. Freedom from our sins. But in our freedom, we are called not to cut others down, not to tear people apart with our words. I love how Paul couches this, how God couches this, that he puts it in our faces, that biting and devouring each other with our words is living a life of the flesh. That's a life that we died to in Jesus. That's a life that we live that we deserve to death in because that life does not honor God. It doesn't bring him any glory, that life. That life that we turned away from that put Jesus on the cross, he's talking about that life, life in the flesh. Meaning unbelieving, living like the people who don't believe in God or have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's saying that life. When we live, friends, as fault finders, we are devouring the very family we are called to do life with. When we open up and read this passage, church, we need to remember Paul is addressing the church. Those who have said yes to Jesus Christ, those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus, who have been born into a newness of life, the old is gone, the new is here. He's talking about the body of Christ. 
And when we have critical spirits, and when we have critical mouths and what we're doing, what we're doing towards one another, when we have this idea just flowing from our mouths, man, when we, our lips spew criticism on those we are called to love, we are invoking spiritual cannibalism. When we spew criticism and those we are called to love, we are invoking spiritual cannibalism. Look what that word says. You bite and devour each other. Man, when we are critics, we are killing and eating the very people we're called to lift up and encourage and love. Doesn't that make you a little sick inside? Do me a favor. Go home this afternoon and do a study on the one another's in Scripture. Yes, read your Bible. Study your Bible. If you go and do a study on the one another's, be forgive one another, lift one another's burdens, care for one another. You do a study on all those one another's in Scripture, I guarantee you will never, never, never find where we're put to put the righteous on the rotisserie. Never. And God is saying us when we are critical spirits, critical mouths, critical towards one another in this body called the church, we are devouring each other. That's serious stuff. And he says we'll be destroyed. A couple weeks ago, I said we may never be more like Satan than when we lie. I might have been wrong. Or maybe this is a close second because our critical spirit, our cruel critical words of others, we, it might put us right there with lying. I mean, look, on, look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. See it on the screen. It says, be alert, Peter says, in a sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around looking like a roaring lion, looking for someone to what? What? Isn't exactly what Paul just said we do with our mouths? We bite and devour and destroy the very people we're called to do life with, to love, to lift up, and to encourage. So let me just ask us, church, right here, right now, let's stop. How are we devouring our spiritual family? How are the words coming out of our mouths reflecting a life of Satan more than our Savior? Who and how are you critical? Where have you thrown shade or criticism on others, on others or situations this past week? This past month? What about the last six months? Let me just tell you something, friends. When we eat our own 
It doesn't look, make Christianity look so appealing, now does it? And I go back, and as I read what Paul was saying, one of the greatest influences of criticism that comes out of our mouths, out of our hearts, and it's built off of pride. Pride in our hearts. Look at verse where it says at verse 26, he says, let us not become conceited. Let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Pride is a position and a poison of the heart. Where we believe that we always know what's best or we always know what is right. Pride puts, lets us sit there lifting ourselves above others and how they do or what they do. Either it's built off insecurity of our own weaknesses or we don't know the whole story. And we stand at a distance and speak shade as if we know better. You know, King Solomon spoke about this, and how pride is a slippery slope. He says in Psalm 73 that he almost slipped in. He almost lost his foothold and started envying the arrogant. And if you go back and read it and see in verse 6, it says, Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. Pride is their necklace. Something you wear to make you look good and pretty. He said, I almost slipped into that. I almost envied and looked up to the arrogant. See, pride fuels the critical tongue. And if our words are constantly critical, if we're always cutting into people with our mouths or harsh with our words then we're destroying one another God has called us to be radically different than that what if what if for some of us our critical words are destroying the potential intimacy we can have with our in our marriage what if, what if our critical words are driving a wall between our, us and our children? Then we're not lifting our own kids up. We're deciding cutting them down because they're not doing what we need, think they need to be doing at school or sports. What if our critical words was slowing progress at work, getting things done, being more effective? What if our critical words were dividing the team that we were supposed to be on at school? On the field? In the gym? What if our critical words were impacting what we could do in the church? What if our critical words was impacting the influence we can have was sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because people can't get over how critical we are about anything or everything. They hear our words. They hear how we criticize and tear people down. And the end of the, end of the day, they want nothing to do with the Jesus we're proclaiming.
I'm not sure that we have ever met a critical person that we've ever wanted to be like or be around. So we need to ask. Those of you who are like me, who battle being a very critical spirit at times, it's so difficult to see in the mirror because we can justify what we do and say because we feel like we actually know what is right and better. Do we really want to be a fault finder? Is that how we want people to see us? Is that how we want people at our work to see us, people at school to see us, and people at, uh, out in the community to see us? Do we want to be a fault finder? Or do we want to be a hope dealer? Do we want to be a hope dealer? That is the second person that we can pull out of this scripture. Do I want to be a hope dealer? Because here's the thing. Just as walking the flesh is pretty clear, so isn't walking in the spirit. Verse 22 of chapter 5 says, But the fruit of the spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, when we are living this way, when we live those out, the fruit of the Spirit out, man, we are loving our neighbors. We are loving our, our fellow Christians. We are loving the people in our church as we love ourselves. Loving ourselves. We don't want to get hit by the critical words. How do we want to love ourselves? We want to speak love, kindness, gentleness. Later on today, I encourage you to go read Romans 15. Read the second half or first half of Romans 15. It ends the conversation about the stronger and the weaker Christian when it comes to actually living out our faith. Our faith, but it gives us a beautiful view on the love and encouragement we are called to have speak into all of our relationships together as a church. Look at chapter 15, verse 5 on the screen. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind toward each other that of Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one what? Say it again, one what? We may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one voice. Have the mindset of Jesus. Go read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Have the mindset and the life of Jesus Christ. Drop down to verse 13. It says that may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow with hope. That we who say we're followers of Jesus Christ, man, we are being overflowed with the hope that we received in Jesus that overflows out of our lives to everyone around us. That we are hope dealers. Timothy calls Jesus in 1 Timothy 1.1, our hope. Titus calls Jesus our blessed hope. 
Peter says that Jesus is our living hope. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that our hope is set in the resurrection. Hope is huge. Being hope dealers is huge. It takes our eyes off ourselves, our situation, and our surroundings, and our perspective. And it forces us. It forces us to look up. And when we're hope dealers and we're taking people with us, we're telling everyone else to look up. Look what God has done. Look what he's doing. Look how amazing he is. Look how he's changing lives. Look up. Look what he's done in your life. Look up. That's what hope does. It is so easy to be a fault finder. Anyone can be a fault finder. But it takes complete surrender to Jesus and his heart for your life to be a hope dealer. Friends, Jesus demands it. The fruit of the Spirit reveals that it's possible. We just need to choose it and live it. The hope is overflowing out of our lives to all those who are around us. That the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in us as his children flows out of us. So we step into a conversation that is critical, or we want to be critical, that's fault-finding. We want to find fault, that we, we are so consumed of Jesus that we start speaking life into the situation. Instead of death, instead of devouring, we point to God who is working, who can work. We point to the past, how he's always been faithful. We point up. I mean, if you think, let's just walk through this. I can't believe that they, or I can't believe they allow, or I can't believe they didn't. We hear those words. Maybe we can think, okay, I don't know about you, but I don't always get it right. I don't always know what's right. Let's see how God is working in this. So God can speak life into this. How about we choose not to chew, chew on our brothers and sisters for an afternoon snack and find ways to lift them up and encourage them. Another phrase we may hear when it's come out of our mouths or we hear in groups of people, if it were me, I would. If it were me, I wouldn't do. Well, maybe we don't, we're, sitting at a, we're sitting at a distance. We don't know everything in that conversation. We see only a sliver of the outcome or the history ties to it. And we can start saying things like, hey, how can we speak in Jesus into this? How can we speak words of encouragement in this? How can we breathe hope in what's tough? It's really easy to be a fault finder. 
It takes great intentionality to choose to deal hope. And yes, friends, I'm calling you to deal. Deal hope. Who will you be? Will you choose to be a fault finder? Or will we choose to be hope dealers? And I think this goes without saying this morning, but I'm going to say it. Without Jesus, this is impossible. Right? Without Jesus, this is impossible. You can't deal hope if you have not received hope of Jesus yourself. So if you're in this room this morning, you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, this is where you start. Because Jesus is all hope, baby. Let me tell you that. Hope for your future. Hope for your life. The truth speaking into you where you surrender it all to Christ. You don't need to know the whole Bible. You don't need to have it memorized. What you need to know is that you're lost. That you do not have a relationship with the God of all creation. What you need to know is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and live a perfect life and made him the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus did it willingly. He went to the cross to take a brutal death to pay the price for your sin, for my sin, the sin of all mankind. And you need to know that Jesus conquered the grave that he's alive right now, sitting in the right hand of the Father, waiting to come back. He's coming back, y'all. Those things. And you need to realize you can't get to God by yourself. It's not about good works. It's not about trying hard. It's about surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, giving him the throne seat of your life, and surrendering and unfollowing him for the rest of your life. And if you want that this morning, I want to pray at the close. You can surrender your life. You can come up to our prayer team at the end and say, I want to give my life to Jesus because I want to be a hope dealer, but I need to receive hope myself. We can't do it without Jesus, church. We can't do it without Jesus. Let me say it again. We can't do it without Jesus. It means we who have given our lives to Christ, we need to continually surrender our lives to Christ, give him everything. So I'm going to follow you. My feet hit the ground. I'm going to be a hope dealer. I'm going to lift people up. I'm going to encourage people around me. Man, I'm going to be a difference. And it's only made possible because of Jesus. As you leave today, you're going to get a friendly reminder. This little chapstick. And on there it says, throwing shade. You turn it and it says, only what is helpful for building others. So as the series is ending, we can't end. We're called to be different. So every time that we think that we're getting ready to throw some shade, maybe it's time to start greasing our lips, you know what I'm saying? 
Oh, reminder, zip it, Rich. Don't say anything. I should probably carry two. Serious stuff. Let this be an, an amazing reminder for you, for me, for us as a church. Hmm. Vanilla mint. It's really good. But I say let's be a church that doesn't throw shade. That we don't devour each other. The cause of the kingdom is too great for us to tear it down with, our, with each other. There are people who need Jesus. And maybe some of those people were with us this morning. Let's be different. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I really want to thank you for the truth of your word, but man, it's really rough this morning. Because having a critical spirit or a critical mouth, man, is not good. It doesn't please you. It doesn't honor you. And it brings you zero glory. And so as we dug into your word this morning and reveal the truth, God, I pray for myself first. Help me be a hope dealer. With the words that I speak, lift my brothers and sisters up. Help me be a hope dealer that when I get out in our community that I share the message of hope of Jesus Christ. I pray for us as a church. May we seek you. May we allow your word to penetrate our lives. May we get our, our hearts right that when our feet hit the ground, we do the next right thing that brings you glory. And that starts with our hearts and our mouths. Right now, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And if you're in this room and you have not said yes to Jesus, you have never surrendered your life to him as Lord and Savior, I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking about doing good things. I'm talking about you recognizing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you want to give all over to Jesus Christ this morning. If that's you, man, I want to encourage you to come up and surrender your life to Christ. In fact, I'm going to pray right now. And you can do just that. It's not in the words that I'm going to say. You can just repeat after me, but it's in your heart giving to Jesus, your life giving to Jesus. Simply say with me, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for living for myself. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was your son. That I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he conquered death and rose again. 
God, today, I surrender my life to you. I am all yours. You are all mine. If you prayed that with me this morning, you have just made the best decision of your life. God has called you to turn from an old life and embrace a new life in Christ. That's your challenge this morning. I want to encourage you after service to come forward and talk with our prayer team. Let them know. Or if you're struggling, you're not sure if you're ready yet, let them know. Let us pray with you. Let us lift you up and be hope dealers in your life. God, I thank you. I thank you for your mercy and your grace and forgiveness in our lives. We don't deserve it, but you pour it out freely. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this message. Thank you for this series, how you've been speaking into our lives. I pray that even though the series is ending, it's just a beginning for us as a church to truly think about what we say. Let us speak life. In your son's name I pray. Amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week.